0: Here we go on a
1: Sunday morning in Las Vegas. It's just after 8 o'clock. I'm Spencer the Wiz, and this is Out of Line. We are live same time every Sunday on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm coming to you from the Wiz Den, also known as my room, here in Perump, just for this broadcast filling in for host Brian Feldman. We are here because we have been booted from the fox sports residential bank corp studio until further notice due to covid protocol social distancing social distancing back in the fox sports residential bank corp studio is producer chris chapman aka magnum who aside from producing a number of shows at lotus broadcasting is a locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. This show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live, Twitter, and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Corp studio line is 702-876-1340.
0: Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap.
1: What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you currently own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-720 for more details. On Tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have traded away one of their best players, and some major NBA trades are in the works. And if we have time, we'll go over some of the biggest prop bets related to the Raiders at the end of the broadcast. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp, funding America One Neighborhood at a time. Like I said, call 702-964-5720 for details. Uh, before we get into the show, I would like to introduce uh producer Magnum, Chris Magnum Chapman. How are you doing this morning?
0: I'm doing I'm I'm doing pretty well, Spencer. Uh Got to notice this morning it was just you, no Brian. So uh, the, the the lunatics are running the asylum today, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I think we'll have a good time, and we'll start with uh, Vegas's favorite team, or used to be a favorite team, I guess, and that is the Golden Knights. Hockey
0: players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here.
1: Uh, I did want to say, uh, like, before we go on, if anyone watches the show streaming, like in the graphic, I have a puck full of the Golden Knights, but like, as of recent, I've realized, I think it says a cup full. I, I don't know. Do you hear anything else, Magnum, when it comes to the intro for Nightcap?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's cup full of, uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights, but, uh, you know, like it, a puck full. It, no, well, well, cup full would make sense because of the Stanley cup. So you're, you, you got the top of the, the, uh, the trophy there, which is the, the bowl, uh, the, the, the Stanley <laughs> cup. So, uh. Yeah, no, I I am I'm, I'm pretty sure well I, I think we both know Brian probably wrote it, so uh then again, maybe he didn't. I don't know if he's that creative. But but yeah. Uh I, I, I'm pretty sure it's a cup full, but uh <laughs> that's funny. I'm also I'm also going deaf, so <laughs> too too <laughs> no, many years didn't. of listening to loud music, so
1: yeah, with headphones right on top of your ears. But Always. Uh, we will we will go into the Golden Knights here. And the biggest news other than Riley Smith, which is, you know, Riley Smith being signed, good thing. But the thing that wasn't good was a trade uh, that sent Patch Ready to the Hurricane. And essentially like a shameless salary dump. I mean, I think that's the only way you can describe it. They got future considerations. So I think when you hear that, it literally means they gave him away for free because the Golden Knights salary cap situation was such a nightmare.
0: Yeah, well, they also had to include Dylan Coghlan in, in that deal as well, a guy who played about 60 games for the Golden Knights last season. And uh, uh, the funny thing about Dylan Coghlan is he was he's one of the very, very few players in NHL history to score his first NHL goal and add his second and third NHL goals for a hat trick in the same game uh, and I think he's only one of two defensemen in NHL history to do that. So uh, a little Dylan Coghlan trivia. Uh, yeah, he. you know, the, the the salary dump is a good way to describe it. Um, you know, I, I was pretty adamant about the fact that this is because of years of, of salary cap mismanagement. Uh, you know, you Spencer, the thing is you cannot continue to add salary at the rate that the Golden Knights did and then not expect at some point to have to move it. I I described it a lot like when I was 18 years old and I was in the mall and there was someone from Visa actually I think I was on my college campus and there was someone from Visa signing people up for credit cards. And I was like, "Oh, cool, you know, well, let me get a credit card." And I was 18 and I got my credit card and it was a $1000 limit and in about 6 months I had maxed it out. And that free money all of a sudden was not free money anymore. I had to pay it back. Plus, I had to pay interest back. Um, so, you know, that's pretty much what happened here. The Golden Knights maxed out their credit card. They had to pay interest, and now they have to start paying it back to get back under, under the 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 the, the max limit there. So, I I I I think there's a couple of ways to look at it. Look, Patsaury was was hurt a lot last year. I know you're not the biggest Max Patsaury fan, uh, so. Um, but, but the thing is, at, no matter what you think of Pacciaretti or his play, you're taking away a guy who had 19 goals in only 39 games last year for the Golden Knights. So, um, you know, common sense would say he's probably at least a 30 goal scorer if he plays a full season, probably more than that. Maybe a 35 goal scorer if he plays 78 games or if he plays 80 games. That type of production is hard to, to make up. The good news for the Golden Knights is they should have a full season of Jack Eichel, and hopefully, fingers crossed, you have a full season of Mark Stone. And those two having full seasons with now Bruce Cassidy, you have to think that they can make up their production. But there's other moves here that you look at, and they traded away Evgeny Dodonov, who had 20 goals for this team, and they basically traded him for salary cap relief, picking up the contract of Shea Weber, Last season they trade away Mark Andre Fleury to the Chicago Blackhawks for nothing. So if you're gonna spend that much money, I think it's imperative that you have those players on your roster. Like the Patriarti deal to me is is really the epitome of of mismanagement because we can go back to to the very first season of the Golden Knights before Max Patriarchy was on the team. They traded away A first, a second, and a third round pick for Tomas Tatar, who was on the team for four months. They traded Tomas Tatar, Nick Suzuki, now an all-star, and a second round pick, which turned into uh, Samuel Fagamo, who plays now for the Ontario Reign and had like 30 goals in the LA Kings AHL organization last year, for Max Pacioretty. You come four or five seasons down the road, the Golden Knights have now traded Max Pacioretty and Dylan Coglin to the Carolina Hurricanes for absolutely nothing. So it's there. There's two ways people look at it. It's what did you get out of already while he was here? He had 97 goals in, in basically three and a half seasons with the Golden Knights. Look, that's that's a lot of goals. I think he also brought legitimacy to the franchise because he was the captain of the Montreal Canadiens. He was a star player in the biggest hockey market, maybe outside of Toronto in the league, and he was more than willing to waive his no-trade clause to come to Vegas. So he gave the franchise legitimacy in year two, and he scored 97 goals. But at what cost? That's the question that we will, I I guess, address in the upcoming season, because if this team misses the playoffs again, there's going to be probably a lot of questions to be answered by a lot of people within the organization, if this team fails to make the playoffs again and, and they do so because they don't have a guy like Max Patchetti on the team.
1: Yeah, I, I do want to look back at Patch a little bit further and uh really get down to the nitty-gritty because he was supposed to be like the star player. And to in a sense, he was. So 48 games in 2020, 21 season. Um, and then he had so in 48 games he had 39 goals. So and then last season, uh, you know a little less productive, a little less games. But in the playoffs, you know, five goals, three assists in 16 games, five goals, six assists in 13 games played in last year's playoffs. Did you ever feel, and maybe I'm wrong, and you know, like you said, I'm not, I am not—I was never the biggest fan of his. A lot of it had to do with health. But did you ever feel like he was there when they needed him the most? Because he was the guy who was supposed to be the star player to lead them to the Stanley Cup, make, make no doubt about it. He was supposed to be their star scorer. And I feel like he fell short a lot of the time.
0: Well, I I'll, I'll go back to the San Jose game, game 7, the not a major game. Max Petretti did have a goal in that game. Uh so so that should have been the 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 goal that that finished off the San Jose Sharks. Uh but I I I Matt, he he did score some big goals. I'm trying to think um you know, I mean obviously the last time this team was in the playoffs and we we got to watch them play was was a while ago. Um uh, but I I I mean I think he had a, a, a couple of big goals. I'd say that the team in general underachieved in 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 the time that he was there, and I'm, and I'm not discounting making two Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's really impressive to do it back to back years. But at the end of the day, in those conference finals, like he he didn't score in the Montreal series. I mean, he was not good in that series, and that was a quote-unquote Western Conference final or whatever you want to call it. It was a conference final. It was an opportunity to advance to the Stanley Cup final. Nobody really showed up in that series, though. The Dallas series, I, I can't recall him having any big goals in that series, but nobody showed up in that series. The only player who I can really remember showing up in the, in the Montreal series was Nick Wah. But I, I think in general it was a team issue because the San Jose series in, in Season 2, they should have won that game. And they should have advanced to play the Colorado Avalanche in the second round. And Colorado is still in the upswing. So who knows what happens if the Golden Knights beat the Sharks in that in that series uh, in, in season two. Season three was the bubble. It's hard to really remember anything about the bubble other than the fact that they failed against a, a, a Dallas Stars team that they were leaps and bounds better than. And then last year they fail again in the conference final to the Montreal Canadiens. And then year five they don't make the playoffs. So... My memory is a little foggy in terms of how many big goals he scored in the playoffs just because I feel like the last two seasons have been a bit of a blur. I can tell you I don't recall him having any big goals against Montreal or Dallas. So um, if if that's going to be the barometer, then yeah, I, I would say there that he certainly did not show up in those games or in those series. Yeah and, I,
1: yeah, and I mean the biggest difference between the Golden Knights winning a Stanley Cup and not is their biggest stars not showing up in the biggest series. So it's weird that they have gotten so far and it's special and it's like lucky for fans obviously that the Golden Knights have been so good from literally the first game that they played, uh, you know, but the, before we go on to the other things, so there's a lot I want to talk about the Golden Knights and it, it is Mark Stone, because I feel like it's a weird sore spot where he just gets a pass every year, but every single time in literally every of the one of the biggest series Mark Stone has had like zero points almost every time and yet he no one ever seems to talk about how low his production has been, especially when you talk about some of the injuries he's had. I mean, this has to be the last year of Mark Stone getting a pass or staying on the team if he's, like, not as productive as, like, he was when they thought, when they picked him up.
0: Well, yeah, for me, the big thing with Mark Stone will will boil down to his health. Uh, He's coming off the back injury, um, so so that's obviously a very serious concern because I, I just remember star players dealing with back issues. And I was always told, you know, that, that a back is the most important thing in your body because without that working well or functioning the right way, it really causes a lot of issues throughout the rest of the body. I'm, I i do not know exactly what the issue was with Mark stone. We just know it was a back. Kelly McCrimmon spoke to the media the other day. I believe it was Thursday. And he said that, you know, he was, he's been told that the um, recovery from Mark stone is going well there was no time frame on whether or not he would be available for the start of the season. We don't know. I I'm going to hope he is, but the, 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 you're right. I think for a lot of times for, for a long time, he has kind of gotten a pass. And I think the, the team goes as he goes, because I think what he brings emotionally and intangible wise, it's, 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 something that can't be undersold defensively what he provides uh you know he he he's always near the top of the league in takeaways and the the the, the thing that makes him always in the conversation for the selkie is not only how good he is taking away the puck from the other team but he's so good offensively as well providing assists scoring goals uh you know he he's the emotional leader of the team but i feel like you're right he he does kind of get a pass in that he he also hasn't produced the big time. Like he doesn't have that massive, massive moment that you would have hoped you would have from him at this point where he scores a winning goal in a conference final in, in a game six to send them to to the cup final or puts them on the brink. I think this is probably a, a year which is going to be crucial for him for a lot of reasons, I I think from what I know of Mark Stone is he is a very emotional guy on the ice. Like he, he truly like you watch the way he celebrates when, when he scores, he celebrates even harder when other people score. Like he is the consummate team guy. Like, I don't think there's anybody in that locker room who, who embodies being the team guy more than Mark Stone. And for as good of a player he is to be that guy is is really cool. But at some point, you 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 want him to have that moment where he takes over a series, where he has the the the. I mean, it's unfair to say Kale McCarr, but he has a, almost that 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 uh, Nathan McKinnon type series where he shows up and he just completely dominates a series. He hasn't had that. He's obviously scored goals and he scored some big goals, but he hasn't had a a, a time where he just took over a series and made it known that he was the best player on the ice. I don't know yeah. if we're if we're going to get that. I feel like that's more of a Jack Eichel thing because I think Stone is is a different type of player. Like I don't feel like he's a dominating player whereas Jack Eichel could be. But nonetheless, until Jack Eichel was here, Mark Stone was the man. Like he was the guy and I think you're right. He 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 hasn't had that that pinnacle moment in his in his playoff career I mean certainly he scored some really big goals in the regular season but you know as far as like I said taking over a playoff series and and really dominating it he hasn't had that
1: no and the thing is is like when he when they traded for him and I could be exaggerating maybe I am I I just remember the sentiment being that he was a top 10 player in the NHL and as the last couple years have gone by I don't know if I put him in the top 20 which maybe like too extreme, maybe an exaggeration, but that's just kind of how I feel at the moment. We'll get back to some other things with the Golden Knights. I mean, uh, we kind of talked about it, but I mean, this, this Reddy trade is really just them choosing Eichel over Reddy in the first place because he's essentially filling that role, and the salary is going to go to Eichel instead of you know Reddy. I mean, that, that's kind of what it is. The team just chose one player over the other, and of course, they traded for Eichel, so they didn't really have much of a choice in the first place.
0: Yeah, well, and and like I said, it. it- at the very beginning, it kind of comes down to not really basically to maxing out, no pun intended, your credit card. Um, they they went over their spending limit, and now they had to cut things from their budget in order to make ends meet. I think there's there's some real questionable moves that you look at over the course of the the, the five seasons, and now we enter season six. There's there's some some real questionable moves that you look at, like I, I, I think certainly, um, you know this is going to be one of them. I think when you when you sign Mark Andre Fleury to that extension after year one, that was kind of there, there there really wasn't a reason to do that because he still had another year left on his deal. You could have you could have played him out and seen how it how it went. He made it clear he wanted to stay in Vegas you know at that point i think you 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 could have maybe extended him halfway through season 2 like and the it was the amount of money that they gave him 7 million over 3 years or or 3 years i'm sorry 7 million aav over 3 years um you know that was kind of the first and and you know you you traded away some prospects obviously um Cody Glass was the first pick in franchise history in the entry draft that clearly did not work out. Cody Glass, probably not a full-time NHL player. Maybe at some point, I'll prove me wrong, but they they missed on that when there were certainly, unfortunately for them, there really weren't any great players that were drafted after Cody Glass. Like That that draft will go down as, as the Kale McCarr draft and the three teams that passed on Kale McCarr, uh, New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Dallas, that's their draft. And then, of course, Elias Petterson went right ahead of Uh, Cody Glass, but outside of Robert Thomas and Martin Nickus, there there, there really aren't any players. So at least with that, you kind of were like, okay, but maybe they should have looked at me. You know, the thing is, we'll never know what the negotiations with the Montreal Canadiens were, whether or not they were insistent on Nick Suzuki, or if the Golden Knights refused to trade Cody Glass. Like, we will never know what that was but I, I said at the get-go when they made that trade and, and it's not hindsight it sounds like it but it's not but I've been doing this for six years covering the Golden Knights and I said at the time and I'll, I, I will stand by it and, and obviously I've now been affirmed they should have traded Cody Glass instead of Nick Suzuki like that should have been the, the guy that they traded Nick Suzuki who knows what he turns out to be here if he if he stays here but I think the idea of, of having him on the roster probably is a lot more palatable today than it would have been a couple of years ago but yeah the, the the Cody Glass thing um you know that's certainly questionable that trade where he was not the one sent to Montreal it, it's it's just they they got themselves into trouble by overspending and at some point you've got to pay the piper there's there's the collection agency and the Golden Knights are now in the phase where their their paychecks being garnished by the collection agency because they they haven't paid their bills, so it's we're we're gonna see we're we're this is a season in which there will be a lot of I would say um, I'm trying to think of the right word, but if if expectations are not met, I think there will be a lot of changes at the end of this season if things do not go well this year. Because I don't yeah, I, I don't I don't get the sense Bill Foley is being very patient right now.
1: No, I don't think patient has been a word you would associate with the Golden Knights since year one. But I, I want to do one like little retrospective, like a small version of it where yes, like it's easy to say that what they've done has not worked because they have no Stanley Cups out of it. But they've been so aggressive, they got into a Stanley Cup in two conference finals. So can you really say that this is a failure? Can you really blame the team for going all out for what, three consecutive, I would say going all out for three consecutive years now, you know, yes, it didn't produce a Stanley Cup, but, like, you would, you never know. It's so hard to win a Stanley Cup. It's, like, almost impossible, like, logistically, you know what I mean? So, the, I hate the, judging Yeah, you need a lot of luck. Stanley Cups or not. I, I hate judging teams just whether or not they win the championship, because you can I think you can think of a lot of failed, like, big threes, but I don't know. I think not a lot of teams have the opportunities to have these kinds of, like, teams that could actually compete for one, so... I wouldn't say it's been a failure, even though it seems to be falling apart at the seams right now.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think failure is the right word to use either. I think there's a, there's a couple different ways to look at it. Look, if I'm a fan, you've been you've been spoiled for five seasons. And you make the, the final in year one, which is maybe, even though they didn't win it, is still arguably one of the most incredible moments in sports history. A franchise team, a bunch of cast-offs goes on to the to the cup final in arguably the sport that has the hardest trophy to win. That's 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 pretty incredible. Year two, they go out and they get Mark Stone, they get Max Pacioretty, they get Paul Stastny, three guys who are established, legit NHL players. They're robbed in a playoff series in a game in which they should have won, although I will say they should have won it in game six and it never should have gotten to game seven, but that's neither here nor there. Season three is the bubble. They make the conference final. Season four is half the season with no fans. They make the conference final there as well. Look, in, in five seasons, you have been to three conference finals. That's incredible. That's really something that the fans should look at because I don't think the Seattle Kraken are a playoff team next year. Like, you look at them, you're like, yeah, they're, they're, they're not a playoff team next year. And the way things are going, you don't even know if they're going to be a playoff team in year three. That's generally how it works for expansion franchises. Generally, you suck for a long time before you get good. Like, I remember the Nashville Predators and the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Minnesota Wild and how long it took them to make the playoffs and let alone win a series in the playoffs. It takes time. The Golden Knights struck lightning in a bottle, and rather than sit on their laurels, they went out and they tried to get better. They did get better. Like, I I think last year's team, fully healthy, is better than the team that went to the conference, that went to the cup final. Like, I I don't know top to bottom, if you could say that team is worse. I think they're better. So the thing is, the, the the problem is the other teams around the Golden Knights have gotten better. And the Golden Knights, while they've gone out and they've, they've gotten better players, it hasn't really translated to, to that final, that year one success. There was a lot of discussion at the end of the season about identity and, you know, how they wanted to get back their identity and, I don't know if that if that was a way of saying Pete DeBoer took away their identity or the fact that they just can't recreate what they did in year one. I, I, I don't know. I guess there's a couple ways to look at it. But like I said, the fans here have been spoiled, and I understand now that this is a sports market. The one thing that, that kills me and it, and it burns me up, and I, I'm one of those people who, who will constantly tell people this when I see it, the idea that you don't root for a team anymore because they trade your player or, or they release a player or they they you know don't re-sign a player, that's ridiculous. This is sports. This is how it works. I grew up rooting for the New Jersey Nets, who are now the Brooklyn Nets. My heart was broken when they left New Jersey. And you know what? I stopped rooting for them because of it. I, and and I, I it kind of took me out of being a, a big NBA fan. I I but at the end of the day, that's not the same thing as a player being traded. The Golden Knights are still here. At some point, your favorite player is either going to be traded, he's going to not resign, he's going to retire. It's just the way it works. Sports is it, the 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 whole idea of loyalty in sports to me is one of those things that is overblown. Because there's no loyalty, either on the player's end or on the management's end. A perfect example of that was Johnny Goudreau. He, he, eight years in Calgary, he was a 115-point guy. He wanted to go play in Philadelphia. That didn't happen. So rather than go back to Calgary, he went to Columbus, Columbus, Ohio. But in the same regard, at any point in his career, the Calgary Flames could have traded him. So the, the, the loyalty is, is non-existent. It's about winning and that's all it's about. It's about winning. And if you don't win, then that, that that's the only thing that matters in sports. Like, sure, there's, there's other side stories. But at the end of the day, the goal is to raise the Stanley Cup. And if the Golden Knights feel that they're going to be better by trading away Max Pacioretty, I don't know if that's how they really feel. I think it's probably, like you said at the very beginning, we've got to shed salary. I don't know if they're done. I would I would anticipate that there's maybe another move coming. What it is, I don't know. I have an idea, but I'm not going to say it. Uh but there there certainly are other moves that could be made and and we'll see what they do. Um you know, I I think they they have to find a way to add another forward. I think that's that's paramount. They have to find a way to get Nick Wa and Keegan Colasar resigns. I think that's paramount as well. Um and and obviously on the blue line they got to get Nick re signed. So uh, there's 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 some some question marks here. We go into week two of free agency. The Golden Knights are in a position where they'll be able to 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 fit guys under the cap, but there's still another forward short. And what they do, I don't know. I, I really like Evan Rodriguez. Played for the Pittsburgh Penguins, had a career year, but I think you look at his career numbers. Last season was it was an aberration, but he was Jack Eichel's linemate at Boston University. Him and Jack Eichel played together with the Buffalo Sabres. There's a a comfort level there with those two guys. That's a guy who I would look at to come in and maybe be my third line wing. I don't know what they're going to do, Spence, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, so um, the one thing I wanted to say, going back to your comment about, you know, the lightning in a bottle, I think you just have to be. Extremely careful with that. You can ask the the UNOV run in rebels. They've been trying to chase that high since nineteen eighty. I was negative seventeen years old, and here we are today. And they just haven't really done anything since. So, uh, I think that you're you're never going to recapture, you know, what they did. And I think that if they try to, then they're going to doom themselves. Uh, Okay, I one last thing on the Golden Knights because I did want to. Uh, mention this because it it could it could go horribly awry here things could start to get bad really quick and especially when you consider all the picks they've given away they've developed pretty much nobody since they've started the franchise which is a really bad sign but if it does go sour do you still expect the uh you know t-mobile to be packed every single night or were the fans coming just for the wins
0: well i think the, i think there's a combination i think a lot of people will still be there but we started to see some some games last season where there wasn't a full house and you know that could be for a variety of reasons who knows maybe covid was 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 still a thing uh it still is a thing unfortunately but um you know i i i think there will be a lot of people who who don't show up because i think whether they were protesting mask mandates or whether they were angry about you know whatever trading Mark Andre Flurry maybe who who knows but i i do think that this is now the point where you become a traditional city where you're not selling out every single game sure in tickets sold you're probably full but in terms of people actually showing up i i think we saw some some signs of that last season and it was my big worry that that this is a bit of a fair weather town and I think when the team's not doing well, and, and fortunately, they, even though they, they subtracted a bit, they should still be in the playoff mix, but I, I, I think it's unfortunate, and, and I, I hope that this doesn't turn into the case where you're you're, you're getting 13,000, 14,000 every single night because the team's not playing well. Look, this is your team. This is your city. Support them, whether they're good or bad. I will always believe that. I mean, I've been... A, Massive sports fan as long as I can remember, and I'm a I'm a diehard New York Jet fan. We had season tickets, and you know what? There were there were seasons where the Jets were winning four or five games a year, but we were certainly there for all eight games a season that we had. Um, you know, so so show up, support the team, whether they're good or bad. But I do think that this this could be a a a, a season in which, if the team is not good, that the attendance starts to decline.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I think that's one of the bigger storylines going into next season, personally. But we'll, we'll switch over because NHL free agency did start. And you did mention Johnny Gaudreau, really, he shocked NHL free agency. So he's he signed, I say, measly, seven-year, $68.25 million deal. The reason I, you know, well, I, that's obviously a ton of money. But he turned down an eight-year, $84 million contract with the Flames. Everyone thought he was going to go east, you know, somewhere like the Islanders. But uh, he signed with the last place, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Did you see this coming? I mean, th- I, this was obviously one of the bigger shocks of the NHL offseason.
0: I, I, I don't think anybody really saw him going to the Blue Jackets coming. Um, I'm not even sure their general manager here Kekalainen, saw that. Uh, but it, it, it was a really interesting story that developed on Wednesday because all the rumors we heard Monday and Tuesday were that he was going to either the Islanders or he was going to the Devils. He was he's from New Jersey, although he's from South Jersey, very very close to Philadelphia. Played in the Flyers, you know, youth youth teams and he he grew up a Flyers fan and he wanted to play for the Flyers. The Flyers, however, mismanaged their salary cap really bad and they refused to trade away some salary that may have allowed them to to go out and sign John Goudreau. They also made a couple of questionable signings and it Really hampered their their flexibility in terms of being able to sign Goudreau. Um So I think it, it, it trickled out on Tuesday night that he was going to leave Calgary or he was going to test free agency. I I, I there's a couple of ways to look at it, and I'm not a Calgary Flames fan, so I don't have the vitriol and 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 the anger and the saltiness. But I'll look at it. I, I like to look at it from this perspective. When a superstar player like John Goudreau, and certainly he is a superstar, the guy probably should have won the Hart Trophy last year. That's how good of a season he had. When he leaves as a free agent and he goes to a small market team, like in the pecking order, Columbus is probably like in the bottom 20s, maybe 28, somewhere 28 to 32 in terms of, destinations for free agents for star players like they've had multiple star players over the last couple of years believe and i think when it when a player of his quality and his star power goes to columbus i think it's great because it, it, it's good for small market teams it shows that hey you know what this is this is an opportunity for so many years and for too long we've seen superstar players not just in the nhl especially in the NBA where they want to go to the big market and they want the big lights, whether it's New York or whether it's Toronto or it's Tampa or it's L.A. For Johnny Goudreau to pick up and leave Calgary and go to Columbus, I think it says a lot about the the, the power that some small markets have. Like Columbus is, is a nice city. By all accounts, it's a nice place to live. the The one thing about Columbus is – no matter what happens, it's Ohio State's market. It's an Ohio State town. Ohio State football will always rule the roost in Columbus. Unless the Blue Jackets win the Stanley Cup, they're not knocking Ohio State off the front page very often. I think on Wednesday when they signed Johnny Goudreau, those headlines in Columbus, the Columbus Dispatch or whatever other newspapers they have there, my guess is Johnny Goudreau was on the front front page of their newspaper on Thursday morning the day after he signed with the Blue Jackets. I think it's great for small markets. I'm a small market guy. I root for the small market teams. I want to see them successful because I get sick of the Lakers and I get sick of the, the Maple Leafs and the Yankees and the Red Sox. I don't care. To me, the, 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 those teams being shoved down my throat, I can't stand it. I want to see other teams. I want to see small teams have success. Nashville, Columbus, Ottawa. I I, I want to see them do well. And for Goudreau to go to Columbus, now they have him and it sounds like Patrick Laine, their other star player, is going to re-sign and stay for a while. That's great. That's It's really great because you want the small markets to do well because I really feel like the health of the league is measured not by the top teams but by those mid-table, bottom-table teams because those are the markets where you really need to find success. Toronto could be the worst team in the league. They're still going to sell out every game.
1: <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, well, do you think Johnny's enough to like make them relevant? Like is he is he that good that he'll just like lift them into the playoffs because they still have a lot of issues on their team?
0: No, no, they're 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 probably um in the mix, but I don't think they're they're a cup contender. They 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 have to go out and do a couple more things, I think. Uh, you know, they their questions about some of their bottom six we'll we'll see. Uh, but I think that they have good goaltending. And obviously, they're going to have some dynamic scores, So that certainly helps. The problem is the division they play in is really, really tough. And I don't know if they have enough after Goudreau and Line A. So we'll see. We'll see. I think they're in the mixer playoff team. I don't know if they are a a legit... Like, I, I don't look at them today and say they're a playoff team. I think they're close. But I don't look at them and say, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be you know, the top when the top four in the East. No, I I, I don't think that. But, you know, the, there's a plan in place and now they're going to have him for, for the next seven years. So a lot can change in the course of a season or two. So we'll see what the Blue Jackets do.
1: Yeah, I'm sure it's changing the trajectory of what they thought their offseason would look like. I don't think they thought he would show up to their front door asking for a contract. We'll uh, switch over to the NBA. There's been some big news, some big rumors more than anything else. But we'll start with DeAndre Ayton which has been, I don't know, one of the more head-scratching things, I think, of the NBA offseason. So the Indiana Pacers offered a four-year, $132.9 million contract, uh, which the Suns did match. So you know he is a restricted free agent, meaning that they can the Suns can match anything, and then they get the contract. Uh, but really, the whole news has been that they're just going to flip him for Kevin Durant, who's also been a disgruntled star despite signing his extension last offseason to stay with Brooklyn for an extra four years. I mean, really, this has just been a mess, in my opinion. I mean, the the whole thing is here is that even if DeAndre Ayton, he's going to sign this contract, this 132, because they didn't want to pay him. They didn't think he was worth max money, which is beyond me. He's like a top five center in the NBA. And that's just crazy that they are prioritizing someone like Chris Paul over DeAndre Ayton. But I don't know. It feels like it's going all wrong for the Phoenix Suns. Like, is that the okay so they go to the finals and then they have the best record in the nba the next year yes they ended up you know flaming out against the mavericks which certainly was disappointing but I, I don't know this is the best the phoenix suns have been in my lifetime and it feels like they're trying to do everything they can to blow it up i mean what what went awry for the suns team and devin booker like maybe they're not maybe this is the right move maybe getting ayton and then trading him off for Kevin Durant is the right move, but it just doesn't feel right considering how organically they built their team.
0: Yeah, it, it, it does feel a little a little odd. Um, you know, I, I I think the sad thing is I I know that they went to the final just two years ago. I think that was a bit of a fluke. They had a lot of things go their way, and then they got absolutely you know they they they, they, they unfortunately they lost to the Bucks last year. As you mentioned, they had the best record in the NBA, did not translate to playoff success. I, I, you know, there, there's always kind of been, and and I'm I like Chris Paul. I mean, obviously he's a, he's a first ballot Hall of Fame player, but there's just something that seems to follow him around, and I I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Like he's a great player, but it seems like success for him and his teams are short lived. He's also nearing the end of his career. DeAndre Ayton is still a relatively young player. I would feel better building my team around DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker than Chris Paul and Devin Booker because in a year or two, you may not have Chris Paul anyway. So it's now if you trade Ayton for Kevin Durant and, and obviously you make that package. First of all, if I'm Brooklyn, I don't know if I want that because I think I th- I as, as much as Durant has been disgruntled, I still think Kevin Durant is a guy who shows up and plays whether or not he's happy or not. Like, I don't think he's he's like the, the other guy on his team who seems to not really have an interest in playing basketball. Um, and I think that guy is probably why Kevin Durant wants out. Like, if I'm the Nets, I'm actively looking to move Kyrie Irving before I look to move Kevin Durant. Because I think if you move Irving, I think certainly Kevin Durant may change his, his opinion on whether or not he wants out. Because I don't think it's a coincidence that the day after Kyrie said that he's opting in, that KD declared that he wanted out. I I, I don't find that to be coincidental. I think I think that's a cause and effect. It's going to be interesting because I think if you put Kevin Durant on the Suns, with or without DeAndre Ayton, that's a team that, that I look at and I'm like, all right, that's a legit NBA championship contender. Without Kevin Durant... I don't think they're that if they keep DeAndre Ayton. Look, DeAndre Ayton is a good player, but like I said, I I I don't know if I would pick Chris Paul over DeAndre Ayton. As you imagine, he's a top 5 center. He's a guy who's going to give you, you know, a lot every single night. Chris Paul certainly that guy as well, but I I look at the age. And to me, that's that's the biggest issue here. It's the fact that there's such a massive difference in the age. Like I think, if I'm Phoenix, I don't know if I can go out and get another Chris Paul, but I feel like I can go out and get an adequate point guard who will not have the the, the massive drop off. Because if you, if you drop if, if you lose DeAndre Ayton, all of a sudden you don't have that center. Now maybe Kevin Durant makes up for that. Obviously, he's a much better player than DeAndre Ayton. But it's a really interesting time. Like the NBA offseason never fails to to to. Um, you know be interesting obviously there, there, there's the rumors about uh the, the the guy up in utah donovan mitchell maybe he's on his way out i i've seen some rumors that maybe he's on his way to the knicks which would be ridiculous but uh you know it, it's certainly interesting to me my favorite offseason news has nothing to do with any of those guys it's damian lillard re-upping for the blazers and basically saying look it is a loyalty thing with me, even though I just trashed loyalty in the last segment. But I think Dame Lillard re-upping with the Blazers, and yes, he got a lot of money to do so. It's still pretty cool that that a guy of his caliber is that committed to the Portland Trail Blazers. And, and you know, unfortunately, they, they stink. But it, it is kind of cool to see that.
1: Yeah, I don't. I think there's a couple things he have to break down. So I think what what really went wrong for the Phoenix Suns was signing Chris Paul to a four year, 120 million dollar contract. And I think that thing that you can't quantify for Chris Paul is that basketball is not his number one concern. His brand and uh, you know his money are like more important than basketball to him. And I'm not blaming him for that. That's fine. Like good for you. Like securing money for your family for future generations. How can I ever say there's anything wrong with that? But I think when you look at the all-time greats, like when you think of LeBron after he lost in the finals against the Dallas Mavericks, literally nothing consumed his mind but winning a championship that next year. And that's exactly what he did. Now I think that basketball isn't the most important thing in LeBron's life anymore. And I think you're seeing the repercussions of that. And that's how hard and that's how dedicated you have to be to win a championship. Uh, and David Lillard is kind of the same way to me. I think he's earning like $60 million a year now which again good for him but like how are you ever going to build a team when someone's taking up like half of your cap space it's pretty much not possible and i think you've seen that throughout his career so yes it's good to see him like that but you're giving the team no flexibility the supermax has widely been like a disaster i think for the nba to keep players in but it also just like cripples the teams that keep these guys around and you did talk about Donovan Mitchell and i do want to mention it just a little bit more cuz there was a trade package um, so this is something that the uh, the New York Knicks declined. It was six first round picks: Quentin Grimes, Emmanuel Quickly, Obi Toppin, and Miles McBride. Uh, here, here's the way I think about it. I don't know. I think the Knicks need to seriously consider because who have they drafted in the past? Like I don't know, my life of, of like of notes. They haven't. I think they've only resigned in the last twenty years. Resigned one of their first round picks to a second contract one time. Uh, so I feel like draft picks are like not valuable to them. And if you can get uh, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and Donovan Mitchell on the same team, I feel like everything else can kind of just fill in the gaps. Uh, so I don't know. How do, you, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the New York Knicks? And if they did have that big three, I feel like they're... Generally going in the right direction, like and that's the most exciting team that I can think of since Carmel Anthony and Mari Stoudemire, you know, teamed up.
0: Yeah, the Knicks unfortunately have have stunk forever. I mean, they had they had a, a playoff appearance last year, like one of those rare playoff appearances. I I grew up in a, in a New York Knicks household. My father was a diehard New York Knicks fan. I mean, going back to the '60s and '70s, he was going to the Garden to watch games. So uh, you know, I mean, when when I met Clyde Frazier and I got to tell my dad I had dinner with Clyde Frazier, he he was ecstatic. He he wanted he wanted he's like you should have called me. I could have talked to him. I'm like dad, it doesn't work like that. I was working, but um, you know, it, it, it was it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of times the ownership of the Knicks gets in the way. James Dolan is a buffoon, and he he's one of the worst owners in sports. So it's no shock that that his dysfunction and his just absolute buffoonery gets in the way of the Knicks being a successful franchise. Look, they, 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 they've they had issues going back to Isaiah Thomas being their coach and the general manager, and we're now talking almost 20 years ago that this team hasn't been able to get out of their own way. This is the mecca of basketball. For those who have not been to New York or have never seen a game at MSG or have Grown up around New York City basketball. New York City basketball is is ridiculous. I think I think it's Showtime maybe that's doing a documentary about point guards that have come from New York City and just it's like if you're a point guard in New York City and you're a good point guard and you make the NBA, you 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 get your marble statue at Rucker Park, you know. So for the Knicks to be as bad as they've been for as long as it's been and. and some of my best friends are New York Knicks fans, and I see the struggle and the agony that goes along with it. Spence, I, I just want to see this franchise get get good. I want to see them have some success because I, I feel like my friends are, are, are due for a successful team, for a good team. Like, I can remember the days when when Patrick Ewing and John Starks and Charles Oakley, those were, those were the guys at, at the Garden, and the Knicks were winning 60 games a year. And unfortunately, it was the same era that Michael Jordan was dominating the NBA. But that team probably wins an NBA title if not for Michael Jordan. I mean, the Knicks haven't won an NBA title in like 50 years. I think 73 was the last time the Knicks won a title. I mean, that's unbelievable for New York City that their one and only basketball team. Sorry, Brooklyn. That their one and only basketball team is going on almost 50 years without an NBA title. It's it's un real to think that that's how long it's been since the Knicks have been the the dominant team in the NBA but if they could pull off a deal to get Donovan Mitchell and I think you, you there there are some parts there like I think RJ Barrett is, is a pretty good player and, and it seems like the Knicks certainly are trying I I if you're the Knicks I think you have to do it like you said draft picks are are completely irrelevant to this franchise. They've been so bad for so long that most of their draft picks flame out. If you have the opportunity to get a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who who I think is one of the most underrated players in the NBA, like you look at his numbers, his numbers are every bit as good as, as Devin Booker's. They are literally almost exactly the same. And we put Devin Booker on a pedestal like he's one of the top five players in the league. Well, Donovan Mitchell is right there with him. He gets lost in the in the shuffle because of where he plays. If you're the Knicks and you can get that guy, you absolutely have to go out and do it, Spence. Like there's zero doubt in my mind if you're the Knicks, you 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 make you trade whatever they want. I mean, obviously within reason, but you give if if it's six draft picks, give up the six draft picks. Who cares? It's the NBA. It's not it's not like it's not like you're building a superstar team with all those first round picks that you develop or or uh, you you get every season because it obviously hasn't worked for them. So um, I I know they were active during the during the uh, the draft making a bunch of deals and we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, like I said, the NBA offseason never fails to disappoint. I'm sure there's going to be a couple blockbuster moves and we're we're going to look completely different when teams show up to camp in October. We're like, oh my gosh, this is this is what the Knicks did, or, or or oh my gosh, this is what the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers haven't done anything either. So uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's pretty crazy. And the thing is, like, the Knicks have a lot of extra first round picks. They traded back in this year's draft. They got a bunch of extras in the Porzingis trade, so they have the picks, and they should just get rid of them because, like, like we've talked about. I mean, you can think of Emmanuel quickly is probably like the last guy, and maybe Mitchell, where they're at least worth having on your team. Other than that, they've literally had guys who haven't are out of the NBA like almost like within five years, so not a good sign for them.
0: Yeah, I mean you you look at some of the guys that that they've drafted over the years. I mean Kevin, Kevin Knox, Knox, Frank wh- whatever the guy the guy's name the that Latino? they spelled wrong on his jersey, Cleanthony right. Early. They did draft Greek Freak's brother, but Tim Hardaway, Kostas Papanilako, Iman Shumpert. I mean, he I liked Iman Shumpert, but Jordan Hill, Wilson Chandler, Ronaldo Balkman, Remember, you you you're probably too young to remember that that trade, but it, I mean, or that draft. But like they they've they've stunk when it comes to the draft. I mean, they they have so many of these guys. You're looking, you're like, what the hell is this franchise doing? We'll no, see. No, I, I, I I I I think last year they had four draft picks, and it's like uh, only one of them were still on the roster. So I I think you you have to make the move if you're the Knicks. Just do it. Just just suck it up and do it. And like you yeah. said, they've got they've it's got all those extra fair. picks. No, you know, they they gonna, made the deal with unfair. Tiang where they send them to OKC. They got a bunch of picks. Just just trade trade for Mitchell. Just do it.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll quickly go over to. Facts.
0: This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This.
1: Yes, it is a fact that. The NBA play-in tournament is here to stay. This comes to a bit of shock to some long NBA fans, like it was implemented just for COVID to give some more teams a chance. But uh, you know, after a couple seasons, I say, hey, we're keeping it around. Uh Magnum, how do you feel about it? Do you feel like it punishes the seven in the ac too much? Uh, I personally like it because I think it makes the regular season 10 times more interesting because it, most of the time, it's extremely uninteresting, especially when you get towards the end. So I, I think I'm fairly happy about this decision.
0: Yeah, I, I like it as well. I, I, I think it gives some some lesser teams an opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I think none of those teams are going to win the NBA title, but it, it, it still it gives fans in, in other markets a, an opportunity to kind of stick with their team through the end of the season. Because a lot of times in the NBA, I mean, if you're the Sacramento Kings, your season's over already. But at least being like in that 10-11 range, you maybe have that chance to make the playoffs. At least at least the play-in round. So it, it adds a little more intrigue to to the season. I think any time you could do that in the NBA because for the most part the off-season is just or the regular season is boring. So adding a little more intrigue to to the regular season is always a good thing because like i said it's like if you're if you're sacramento or if you're charlotte you're never good enough i mean the kings were were once but you're never you you're not good enough at least in the recent future to have that like second or third seed locked up by by march but if you're in the mix, at least it adds a little intrigue and it gives you something to keep playing for. And the other thing is it, it, it kind of takes away the idea of tanking for some franchises as well. And I I, I I can't stand when teams tank.
1: Yeah, I still think personally that there should be a tournament at the end of the season for all the teams that didn't make the playoffs to play for the first overall pick. Yeah, the team that, that wins way- it,
0: gets, it gets the number one pick. I'm fine with it. I like that as well.
1: That would literally make the- any team who didn't make the playoffs as competitive as humanly possible, and it punishes you for being bad. But that's a story for another time. I, we do have a couple minutes, and I do want to go over some of my favorite prop bets that I've seen here. Uh, plus 600 for the Raiders to win the AFC West. Uh, that's – I don't know. I, I mean, they're definitely not going to make it. But I want to go over their alternative wins, and I think this is probably the biggest point of contention here that we could talk about. It's over under 7.5. So if you go over 7.5, you get minus 230. Under seven and a half plus one ninety five. Personally, I think it could, it's more likely that the season goes completely wrong for the Raiders than it goes right. So I feel like if you can get the plus one ninety five for the under, uh, I think there's a lot of value there.
0: Yeah, I'm not, uh, su- I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not sure. You know what to expect, but I do think Derek Carr is going to have a really good year because he finally has that number one receiver. So hopefully that translates to W's.
1: Yeah, we'll find out. Well, thank you so much for co-hosting with me, Mags. Uh, We will be back next Sunday, same time, 8 to 9. This is Out of Line. Brian Feldman will be back next week. See ya.